Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. Uh, I'm one, I'm your host, Anthony Aniano, on this Wednesday night, uh, June 10th, and thank you for joining us. Whether listening live or on demand on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes, wherever you may choose to listen, as always, I do appreciate it, and, and thanks for being part of the show. Uh, you know, new name for the last month or so, and uh, I thank our loyal listeners and all new listeners for being a part of uh, of this exciting uh, adventure, the show, and uh, it's all good stuff. We've had a lot of great guests over the first month of the new show. Uh, Evan Tarasiano of Roto Experts, Vince Russo of Who's on First Podcast, um, Corey Parsons from SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio in the morning. So a lot of great stuff, and I have more great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks as we slowly transition, as the summer months approach, to fantasy football. Uh, that, that transition will be happening in the next few weeks. Uh, always a good time to talk fantasy football. Plenty to talk about. i uh, got an exciting guest tonight, a, a friend of mine, somebody I'm happy to call a friend, uh, and at the same time, an adversary. Let's just leave it at that. Timothy Downs. Uh, Tim and I, we used to work together for an old site now, now defunct site, rotogalaxy.com. Tim's now writing for Rant Sports. and Well, Tim has a lot of opinions, and a lot of opinions I disagree with, particularly about my beloved New York Mets. So we're going to kind of we're going to talk some fantasy baseball as we always do, but we're also going to talk a little uh, a little New York Mets coming off the no hitter yesterday. They've already put a couple of runs on the board. It's two to two in the bottom of the first. Wilma Flores, the much maligned, but now nine homers, twenty seven RBIs, and he hasn't made an error in a few weeks. Um, Wilma Flores ties the game with a single up the middle. Uh, so he's going to come on. He has a lot to say. And if anybody follows me on Facebook or follows Tim on Facebook. You'll see our conversations, our arguments. Eventually, one of us has to kind of give up and walk away because we frustrate the bejesus out of each other. So uh, I've been in communication with him all day, and we've been having some fun and and looking forward to a fun conversation tonight. As always, the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show is brought to you by uh, DynastySportsEmpire.com and is a proud member of the Fantasy Sports Podcast Association. You could follow me, Anthony Aniano, uh, on Twitter at A Aniano Fantasy and follow the show on Facebook at the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. Proudly, I am uh, a member of both the RotoBaller.com team and DraftValet.com with more information coming about that as the summer months approach. And as always, you can check me out if you enjoy this show. You can also hear me with my good friend Real Talk Raf from RotoBaller.com. We'll be on the air at 9.30 tonight, about two hours from now, and you can follow that show, Rotoballer Radio, on uh, on uh, iTunes as well, so you can make sure you check that out. A lot of news going on in, in, in Major League Baseball. We're going to cover a lot of it. Uh, big, biggest news in my view, injury, Andrew Miller, closer for the New York Yankees. He goes on the DL. Dylan Patances becomes a must-add if you don't have – and he's probably added already, but if in some league – where guys don't want him because he wasn't getting enough saves. Uh, add Dylan Batances immediately. Uh, forum issue for Miller. So Batances is going to be closing for a while. And if you're chasing saves, doesn't get any better 
than than Dylan Batances in terms of chasing saves because you know he's going to give them to you at least for the next few weeks. So uh, gobble him up and ride with that. And that's why you don't draft the closer a lot. You probably drafted Dylan Batances as a top closer, and then that fell apart on you. Well, now's a chance for redemption there with him, so gobble him up if you need to. Uh, some other stuff going on, some injuries. It looks like Red's shortstop. Uh, Zach Cozart's going on the DL. Matt Holliday's already on the DL. Uh, they're all banged up. Cozart with a knee injury. Uh, reports going on that the Mets are discussing trading for Brewers third baseman Aramis Ramirez. Last year of his contract, probably retiring at the end of the year, so he won't cost them much. Gregor Blanco, outfielder for the Giants, seven-day DL, concussion situation there. Uh, we talked about Cozart and Andrew Miller. Hunter Pence with the wrist, he's still banged up. Uh, he may be headed to the DL. Blue Jays first baseman, D.H., Edwin Encarnacion, suffered a so- shoulder injury this afternoon. He was lifted for a pinch hitter. And, uh, and so David Freeze is banged up. So this guy's banged up. Keep an eye on it, as we always tell you to do. Nelson Cruz with some back spasms, you know. Uh, so guys are injured, guys are banged up, do what you got to do. My NL only league just got hammered in the last couple of days. Uh, Matt Holiday was probably my best outfielder. He's out. You, I've lost Zach Cozart, who was my middle infield spot. So I've got some, uh, I got nicked up, and there's not much out there, as you know, in a 12-team deep NL only league. I'm in first place in that. I'm going to have to kind of ride that out. I had Gregor Blanco out, uh, as my fifth outfielder there, and we play five outfielders. So that's a tough break as well. I've got to deal with all of that. But anyway, uh, happy to have him on the show. My good friend, uh, colleague at one point, and, uh, and Rant Sports author, and he does a great job for them. I love his stuff. I, like, I love arguing with him about his stuff. That's what makes it fun. And uh, Timothy Downs. Tim, been a while, my friend. Welcome to the show. Good evening, kind sir. <laughs> it's been a long time, my friend. How you been? Uh, pretty good. You know, just continuing to do what we do on a regular basis, trying to get the good word out, you know? I hear you, man. I hear you. And I got to commend you, man. You know, you and I, we go back now, well, I don't know, maybe three, four years, and uh, kind of made our chops in this industry almost parallel. You know, we had a couple adventures together there. And uh, and congrats with you to the jump to Rand Sports. Uh, it's a nice platform, and I know you've become uh, a, a pretty big hit on uh, offering the daily game advice. And uh, congratulations to you, my friend. I, I'm glad that's going as well for you as it is. Thanks, man. You know, um, you know, I was very lucky to be in this early. You know, in, in this DFS industry, a little bit earlier than <clears throat> excuse me, the masses are. And, uh, you know, Rance has given me an opportunity to kind of take the wheel from there, uh, from the get-go, from when I got there. And also, uh, as far as the, the baseball, um, my colleague, Roji Smith, does a really good job. We kind of alternate uh, which days we do the lineups uh, for the for the FanDuel baseball so that we don't get stale. And uh, personally, I think we have the best team in on the Internet because we, we're constantly – hitting on 50-50, our percentage for uh, 50-50 efficiency is really high. It's got to be higher than the majority of sites out there. So, I mean, you know, obviously the this whole sort of uh, game is still in its infancy. I mean, maybe 10% of people who play year-long fantasy uh, play daily fantasy right now, so it's, it's only going to get bigger from here. Yeah, very true. Um, 
Yeah, I, I use your stuff when I do play the daily game. Uh, I oft, often follow your advice on, on, on your articles. It is helpful, that's for sure. It's better than anything I'm coming up with on the daily game lately, that's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, so trust me on it's that. It's not I'm easy. I'll leading tell you money. that. And it, I, I know I heard you uh, talking about the, the you know, how, how your opinion on the daily game as far as baseball is concerned. And, I mean, it that's no joke. I mean, it's really hard to be consistent. I mean, it's unlike any other sport where if you pay, you know, top dollar salary cap wise for Mike Trout, you know, he can go over for 4 like it's nothing. Whereas if you pay for Peyton Manning, he's probably still going to give you a touchdown in 300 yards or something instead of maybe four touchdowns at 400 yards. So unlike any other sport, it's, I mean, there's a lot of luck involved, but you know, it's hard. There's no doubt about it. And that's why I think people do gravitate towards what, what we've been able to do is, is because they're, they're lacking consistency, consistency in their own game. So if we can continue to keep up at least the, the 50, 50 success that we've had, I think we're in good shape. Yeah. Great stuff though. I mean, I, I do. I prefer the daily football. Um, it's a little more predictable, even in terms of you know who's starting, who's sitting, the weather, things like that. I don't love how FanDuel locks you in, and then if you have an right. issue at 10 o'clock, there's nothing you can do about it. That's, that, that's the part that sticks in my stomach that I'm, that I'm not crazy about. But, uh, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Anybody who listens to the show, like you said, has, has heard my rant on that. But, Tim, let, let's have some fun, right? Because you and I, I mean, my God, probably since the off season, have argued about the Mets. You are down on them. You are like a beaten mule when it comes to the Mets. <laughs> you professed. You you had given up. You had thrown your hat in, and I knew you were full of it then when you did it because nobody just throws their hat in for a team. You can tell I mean, me what you I want even, to say. I even became a Yankee fan, you know, in protest of this these guys. So yeah. Yeah, but you're not a Yankee fan. Stop with that nonsense. Your heart is still a Met fan as much as you put on the bravado. But, you <laughs> know, is, the, the debate a, going – go ahead. It kind of was a, a bunch of braggadocio on my part. But honestly, like, listen, I don't have a, the largest platform in the world, but what I could do to kind of put pressure on these guys was what I was trying to do with that in, in any way. That's what I try to do with these articles because, well, we'll get into my feelings on – the Wilpons and Alderson as we go along here, but, you know, it's just been ridiculous. And now they're in a position to actually accomplish something, and they're still not willing to kind of do what seems to be necessary. So um, it's very frustrating. I may I may or may not be a Yankee fan. We'll, we'll have to see how the rest of this year goes. <laughs> all right, well, let's let's get into this debate. Now, now, it's all started, and I'm sorry, I don't believe for a second when you posted your article yesterday about the Mets making a move for offense and that they'll never do it. I, I, maybe it's my own ego, but I, I would like to think somewhere in the back of your mind you knew I was not going to let that go for nothing. I, I, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, I read it, and I was like, am I going to bite? And I was like, i got to bite. It's Tim. i got to have some fun with him over this. Now, I don't disagree. For anybody who hasn't read the article, check it out. Uh, talking about the Mets situation, and it's fitting. The article came out yesterday afternoon. We argued all day on, on Facebook, and then, of course, what happens last night, the Mets get no hit by a 27-year-old rookie who's not even considered a major prospect, right? We all saw it yesterday. It was, it was a terrible performance by the Mets offense. Okay. Now, I, I disagree that no hitters are historic. 
Not when you get three or four every year. To me, it's not very historic if it's happening at three or four times a season, but that's a whole other conversation. So anyway, Tim, you're just down on them. You think they need to add offense, and I don't disagree with you. You're watching them right now. There's offense that needs to be added. Um, you are kind of in favor of giving up one of the young arms, the Steven Matz or, or the Noah Syndergaard, it seems. Uh, Matz, they're saying, is going to probably be up in about two or three weeks now, dominating the Pacific Coast League, which you know anybody who follows minor league ball knows that is a hitter's league, the altitude, all of that fun stuff. And he's striking out a batter per inning and, straight, and pitching to an ERA under two, which is literally unheard of in, in, the, in the PCL. It's just unheard of. It's a strong, strong hitter's league. Um, and here he is dominating, drawing comparisons to Madison Bumgarner and Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that's, I'm not saying he's going to have that success, but that's the comparison. You want him to make a trade of one of those two guys. And I say to you, and this has always been our argument, who are we getting? That's always been the debate. So talk to me about your feelings on the Mets, and what would you like to see him do? Give, give me an offer you'd like to see him make. Well, I think, you know, we've gone back and forth about this. Obviously, over the winter, I was I was in favor of D. Gordon, and a lot of people thought that maybe uh, his performance with the Dodgers – was kind of a one-time thing and, and wouldn't translate uh, this year, which it has. So, But that that really was focused more on Wheeler because at the time we didn't really know what Syndergaard or Mats were going to be. Um, so if you fast forward to now, I mean, here's their main question. Where, if they don't move one of these guys, where is offense going to come from? We have, I mean, like there's a few teams in this league where you just look at their lineup and you're like, who are these guys, right? And the Mets are one of them now, and they're the team I follow. And I don't even know these guys. Like, like I look at the mm-hmm. Rays, like, who's Kevin Kiermaier? Or, and I look at, like, the other night, like, like, like Daniel Muno and Anthony Recker and, and Eric Campbell. These are no one – like, who are these? These guys don't belong in the major league. So what, this team has – the pitching is so good. They have an opportunity because nobody's running away with the National League – I mean, I guess you could make a case that the Cardinals are, but nobody's running away from the NL East for, for sure. And, but so, but there's no way that this pitching staff, as good as it is, can can sustain such a terrible lineup around it. So, if we don't move these guys, I guess that's a better question: Who is going to step up and give this team offense? That's already on right. the and I, and of a 40-man roster. Right now, I agree with you. Now, now you're right. Anthony Recker is a backup catcher. Travis Dono is back today for them, so that's an immediate upgrade uh, behind the plate offensively. You know, Munoz, a backup infielder, we get that. And let's be honest, right, David Wright, you know, if he's even back this year, you don't even know when that'll be back. You don't know how effective he'll be. The Daniel Murphy quad injury is devastating. That, that as, I mean, this is the guy who led the National League in hits last year. Uh, you can talk about what... I mean, even before, even forget about even the injuries. Even when those guys were in, they weren't really doing that much. They still like even if that's that's I guess my point. Even if this team is at full strength as what you know what, the opening day uh, lineup, it's not good enough. It's just plain and simple. It's not good enough to maybe maybe they could sneak into the playoffs, but there's no way possible that this team is constituted 100% healthy is winning anything in the postseason. Well, you know what? I don't think this team was, was – I think this team – and I said it at the start of the season. I think this team was a 
wild card contender. There's no way they can compete with the Nationals. I think on either side of the ball right now, the Nationals are underperforming. And, you know, for all the, the back and forth, the Mets are coming into today. What's today, June, what, 10th? They're a first-place team. Uh, you know, that that's the truth of the matter is they are in first place in the NL East. But, you know, you talk about Murphy, the right. I mean, Wilma Flores, his defense has stabilized. He has not been the error machine. And two more RBIs today, he leads the team in home runs with nine. So I'm not benching him. Obviously, you're not benching Lucas Duda. He was one of 11 players with 30 home runs last year. Uh, he's a legitimate major league power hitter in a league that is becoming more and more void of power. So you can't bench Juan Lagares, right? He's a gold glove center fielder. He's not going anywhere. So now you got your corner outfield. That's it. That's 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 as far as I'm willing to say or guarantees. Like that's that's the argument that I always hear from Mets fans as well. These guys are in their their spots and and that's it. But they're not good enough. So it doesn't matter if they if they. Kadir, I'm sure he's a great guy and everything, but he's not good enough to to be on like to be the. He's like our cleanup hitter, you know. Like he's just not good enough to be a playoff cleanup hitter. I'm sorry. Not at I get that. I get that. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but the truth is he's making $10 million, and Curtis Grandison, that was a terrible contract. Now, here's the thing. I don't feel the Mets can ever win because they spend the money on Grandison, and we all knew it was a bad contract. You knew it was a bad contract. He was leaving the Little League field known as Yankee Stadium, comes to City Field, and what is he now? He's a, he's a 230 hitter who could draw a lot of walks. He's a good on-base percentage guy. Um but so my question is, right, I agree. You want to tell me you need a left fielder for, and, and bench Kadire. You need a right fielder and bench Grandson. Even though it's not going to happen, you want to say you want to do that. You want to say we need an upgrade at third base while right is out. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, I sat here today and after our conversation, and I looked at the Major League standings. And the truth is, with two wild card teams, nobody's going to sell you know, and that's, and I'm not just, I don't even have this conversation with you. I had it with some other people. I have it with friends and everything else. When you look at the standings in baseball and you look at the American League East, the Boston Red Sox are in last place in the AL East. They're not going to A, sell, and B, they're only four and a half out of the wild card. In the American League Central, Cleveland Indians are in last place, three on the 500, only three and a half out of a wild card. You go to the West. Oakland's in last place. Maybe they decide to sell, but offensively, we talked about Ben Zobrist a little bit. There's nothing that excites you on Oakland offensively either. They will happily take Syndergaard or Mats, but there's nothing there either. And then you look in the NL Central. Phillies are in last place. There is nothing on Philadelphia you want. You don't want Ryan Howard or Chase Hartley. They're past their prime. Okay, you go to the uh, National League Central. You want to talk Milwaukee? Well, who's Milwaukee's big bat? Ryan Braun? Are you willing to give up a 23-year-old Syndergaard of Mats for Ryan Braun and his past and, and his wrist injuries? He's been banged up all year in and out of the lineup or thumb injuries. I don't want that. So now you're settling Aris, Aramis Ramirez, maybe Gene Segura. Maybe that's an upgrade. And you go out west, and, and it's always the million-dollar question, Troy Tulowitzki. And... Do you want that $100 million he's owed with the bad legs, always injured? Are you willing to give up a 23-year-old power arm for a contract that no other team even wants and knowing at some point he's on the DL for a month? So I understand your point, but my question to you or anybody else out there is, who are you realistically getting? Who's giving up that, that significant offensive piece? that 
you and me both, I agree, that I would love to see as well. I just don't see the piece that they could get. Right. Well, I mean, right now on June 10th, it's you know obviously the non-waiver deadline is not till the 31st of July, I think. So that's not going to, you know, the market for the big bats is going to develop over time. Um, so, you, I mean, right now it's, you know, it's all speculation. You have to think outside the box. But one thing I will say as far as uh, uh, last season, we saw some trades where player for player went down. Like, uh, you know, Oakland got rid of Suspedes during the season in, in a penner chase. Uh, to to make the team better in other spots. So while I don't expect that to be, you know, a, a, a trend, I mean, that can happen. Right. So then, you know, you take a rumor like the Puig rumor recently, are the Dodgers really willing to get rid of Puig? And if that, if that's the case, then someone like someone on that level who can make that much of a difference, I, I other than Harvey and DeGrom, like there's nobody on this team I would – I would hold, uh, you know, uh, shy away from trading because if you look at this coming free agency, there's no one. I mean, Justin Upton, who's, you know, you're going to want to spend $150 million on Justin Upton. Yeah. Then you've got like a 36-year-old Joey Batch up in Toronto. You really don't want to pay him 50. I mean, he could be, some, you know, uh, demanding something similar to what Cruz just got, you know, 18 mil a year or whatever, 15 mil a year. And then there's like Edwin Encarnacion, which if we have Duda, we can't use, and he's really better suited in the American League anyway. So if not something unexpected, what, what, even forget about just this year, which I think they can actually compete this year, and they really need a bat or two to do it, but where is this coming from in the future? Because eventually, like three years from now, Matt Harvey's a free agent, right? So, so the Mets going to... Three years from now, when these bats, Conforto and Nemo and Dom Smith come up, are, are the Mets going to be? Uh, are, is this regime uh, giving you any indication that they'd be willing to willing to pony up two hundred million dollars to keep Matt Harvey in town? Right, well, so see, by the to me, that's the part of the gets, reason why. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I feel I like they're off. a win. You know, it's all right. I feel like they're almost like a win now team because I feel like they they have a window where Harvey could easily be out of here in three years. Right, and then you still got Degrom, Wheeler, maybe no, uh, you'd still have, you know the other four. But if if what if we do wait that long, uh, Nimmo gets here and Smith gets here and Conforto gets here, and they're not good enough either. Then you've just wasted a whole era of pitching in the, in its prime, and now you're back to square one because now the pitchers are on the decline and you still have no offense. So at some point no. they have to figure out a way. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think what you're going to see, and I, I think the perfect fit to this team right now is Prado down in Miami. And he's not going to cost you Syndergaard or or uh, or Matt. He may call you cost you a, a Rafael Montero, maybe a, a young kid like the Matt Reynolds down in the minor leagues. Maybe he costs you Kevin Plawicki, somebody like that, to go with a Rafael Montero. Uh, you know, you saw what Prado did last year when he came up with the Yankees, when he was traded to the Yankees. He raked, he plays second base, he plays third place, he plays the outfield. He's a perfect fit. Um, Zach Cozart of the Cincinnati Reds would be a nice fit. Uh, you can move Flores to second base or third base. Won't cost you one of those top, top pitches. Brandon Phillips of the Reds would be a nice fit. I think those are the type of guys who you're going to see on the market. Now, yeah, maybe they get creative. 
But, you know, you talk about Harvey, and here's the truth. I don't think Matt Harvey comes back when he's a free agent. No way. I think Matt Harvey walks. I think the New York Yankees will pay him $300 million a year and do what the Yankees do and, you know, pay for him, and they'll sign him to a 10-year deal, and year five of that deal, he'll, he'll start to fade off like C.C. Sabathia does, and they'll just swallow the money. And for me, that's part of the reason why you don't trade Syndergaard, Matt, Wheeler, DeGrom. Because yeah, you know what happens, you when, lose you know what happens when, when, when the Yankees do that, they end up winning a World Series somewhere in that time frame. You know, so, yes, CZ's washed up now, but they have a, a 2009 pennant hanging up in, in Monument Park. So when do the Mets get to do that? You know, like, it just doesn't appear to be a, a, a possibility the way, they, the way they operate. Now, I hope these guys come up and I hope they have some kind of magical plan that they're cooking up, but I just don't, I don't have any faith that – this guy, like, this guy Olsen was, like, 100% willing to go into this year starting Ruben Tejada at shortstop if Flores wasn't going to work out. I can't look at Ruben Tejada anymore. It makes me nauseous. Not that he's, he's sure actually nice played guy, good ball this year. I, he's, I know, he's, but he's, it's just, it's just, he's just a symbol of, of everything that this team has gone through. I, I don't know. I guess I see – well, I know I see things differently from the majority of Mets fans because I get uh, – Annihilated on on comments everywhere. I post my articles, but <laughs> they like everybody wants fifteen. We have fifteen starting pitchers and nobody who can hit the ball. So what is how are we ever going to win? I know, like on our post that we went back and forth, you said, well, the Giants and the Royals kind of are built the right way, but we don't have we don't even have guys like Eric Hosmer or Buster Posey or Hunter Pence in in our lineup. So yes, yeah, but remember built- too, remember too, Tim. Hold on, remember too, right? The Royals last year went to the World Series. Now, Eric Hosmer's having a terrific year la- this year. Last year, his year was nothing compared to this year. Last year, Lucas Duda was significantly better than Eric Hosmer. Mike Moustakis was terrible last year. That's true. You know, this, 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 their offense last year, this year's Royals offense is better than last year's. That's but true. Last year, the, the Kansas City Royals won last year. With James Shields, Yodani Ventura, and, a, and the Jason Vargases of the world, and then the best bullpen that we've seen in 10 years with those three guys pitching 7, 8, 9. And what we also right. saw was a team that snuck in as a wild card and got hot behind what? Their pitching. They got hot right, behind what- their pitching. Now, the Giants, the Giants, you could talk about Buster Posey and Hunter Pence, who's been hurt most of the season, but let's be honest. Madison Bumgarner won the World Series last year. Well, they got you, you know, you said behind that, but, an ace pitcher. Right, but but then remember, uh, if you go back and look at that series, there were a lot of runs scored in that series. There were only two pitcher, pitchers duels, like 3-2, two, 2-1 two games. The rest of the games were 10-0, 7-2. So they might have gotten there uh, by, by pitching and defense, but they sure didn't win the World Series. I, I mean, yes, granted, Bumgarner was amazing, and he was clutch, and he was everything. But other than, other, other outside of his starts, they were winning, but with their bats. And, and there's no way by looking at the scores of, the, of that series, there's not both teams. There's no way to deny that. So, yes, pitching and defense, I think, is well. No one's going to agree with me on this, but I think it's actually the way to win in the regular season. I don't think it's the way necessarily to win in the postseason, as many people think, because you can have all the pitching in the world, but if you don't get a clutch hit, you're not winning. You could, we could play 18 innings of zero-zero ball unless someone gets a clutch hit, you're not winning. So 
Who's gonna? Who on the Mets is capable of doing that right now? But here's the other argument. You know, I see. I I think if you could tell me next season we're going to go into a starting staff with five pitchers who all project, and it is a projection, who all project to be either a number one or a number two starter. I'm talking Harvey, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Matz, and, and Wheeler, right? They all project to be ones or twos. Sure. In its day and age of this PED-free game, supposedly, right, offense is, is non-existent. You're talking about a league where the league average was 251 last year where there was only 11 guys with over 30 home runs in the entire league. You know, offense is at an all-time low. So to me, like, let me ask you this. Who would you rather be in, I'm I'm guessing I know the answer, but which crop of young players would you rather have? Would you rather have that Cubs crop of young hitters without much young pitching coming through? Or would you rather be that Mets crop of young pitchers with debatable offense coming through. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know. To me, it's going to be interesting. Which one of those teams wins first is going to be interesting. You saw how much they paid for John Lester, and he hasn't been great this year for them. Right. So I totally take take this Mets team right now, but but with the idea in mind that I'd be willing to add a bat at some point. They are not willing to do it. They're counting on developing one somehow, and that's not – that, and that's even more for the future. What about right now? As you mentioned, they're sitting here in first place of this division in a National League where only the Cardinals are a guarantee to make the postseason. What are they going to do this season to add to this team? Because this, it was really last year all along that they were shooting for as where they could be relevant again, right? Right. Now, Harvey injury derailed that, and I think that's right. somewhat understandable. And they swore up and down they want to win, and they, you know, they're – Finances aren't terrible after the Madoff thing, and we should all, you know, they, you know, they use our favorite Mets fan slogan, "You gotta believe," and they lied. They straight up lied on Francesa about what they were planning to do. They've lied, done nothing but lie, and then coming into this season, which is why I got so frustrated, is all these lies, and they still did nothing. Because honestly, it would have seemed like a bad idea at the time, but Nelson Cruz could have been doing the same thing for us that he's doing for Seattle. It would have been an overpaying, but he would have been hitting home runs, which is obviously we know our guys have no clue how to do, right? So so at least we'd have somebody for the next couple of years who could be the slugger. We have one guy who's capable of hitting home run. It's Lucas Duda, I, I, with the exception now of Flores, who came up, which we didn't know how he was going to perform heading into the year. So that's kind of where I this started for me is they are saying one thing and they're doing something completely different because there's no – unless they're just – drinking all the time, and they really think that this offense is good enough <laughs> to, 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 to win a, a World Series, they don't really intend on adding the pieces if they cost any money. So that's why I keep going back. If, they're not, if they were willing to go out and spend the money on the batter, I would have nothing to say right now because right. They, we'd keep the pitching, they'd add the, the bats, and, and we'd probably win a World Series within the next couple of years. But there doesn't seem to be any – there's no – appetite for that within this system. So Right. Now, you see, you're, you're right on Nelson Cruz, right? Nelson Cruz has proven he's hitting. I mean, it hasn't helped Seattle any in the standings. You see what a big signing does, right? They, they emptied the bank for Robinson Cano. And, you know, it just seems more and more when you spend for offense, it doesn't work. 
right? It didn't work with Robinson Cano. Go back in Mets history. It didn't work with Jason Bay. You know, it, it doesn't always work. And then what happens, you're saddled with a miserable contract. The Yankees, it didn't work with Carlos Beltran. Um, you know, so, so it's not working with Brian McCann uh, as well as they thought it would. So, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. The Mets got to add a bat. I get it, I get it, I get it. But I think the last thing this team needs, whether it's because of Madoff or not, is they don't want to be saddled with Jason Bay. They don't want to be saddled with Johan, Johan Santana, for, who pitched a, a debatable no-hitter and really didn't live up to the hype. He hit shoulder injuries. We know all, the whole story. They don't want to be saddled where you're looking at a player and going, okay, we got one good year out of him. We didn't win the World Series, but now we got four more years, and we just got to ride this out and wait for him to get off the books. Um, you know, I understand, but I think what they need somehow is for – a younger offensive player. Let me ask you this. Would you give up? This is a buddy of mine. You remember Paul, my old co-host, right? Sure. Yeah. Paul said, would you be willing to trade Syndergaard or Matt? This is the, I think this might be the only trade I'd be willing to give up one of those two guys for, for Todd Frazier. Absolutely. Right. To me, that's the only guy young enough team control could play third base, or if David Wright does come back, he can move to the outfield. To me, that's the only one that makes sense. That's the only one that makes sense. If they were able to move Dylan G for Aramis Ramirez or, or a combination and get Gene Segura and Aramis Ramirez, would that make you happy? Yes. You know how my feelings about Gene Segura. So, um, although he's not been as good as, as he was that, that one year in Milwaukee, I think obviously he went through some personal problems with his son mm-hmm. dying. So I think he can rebound. And he's he'll he's going to be someone who they could keep under control for a while. And yeah, for, exactly. for this season, sure. Especially you know, obviously David Wright, if he's going to be coming, if he's going to be healthy, he's going to be at their basement. So, you know, we're not looking necessarily to even add Todd Frazier right now without any clarity on Wright. But yeah, those are fine. But I just don't. I just think like then let's just say like 2015 is not really the year we intend on competing because. I don't even think adding Aramis could come here and hit 12 home runs in a half a season, and Segura could come in and do what he does, and I still don't think they'd have enough. So, like, let's just not let's let's call a spade a spade. Like, they're not contending this season. Do you so think this team competes for the wild card this year? Yeah, I still think they're going to compete. But what's fresh? That's that's actually what's most frustrating to me is I think they can do more than compete. I think they can actually have some success this season, and it doesn't appear like, like I know the way, like the way Sandy thinks he's going to push it all the way to the last eleventh hour of the trade deadline, see what their record is, and if they're, you know, whatever he feels comfortable of of uh, in reach of the wild card, then he'll trade for Ben Zobrist, which will do absolutely nothing, because that that's how he's always been. Lottie, uh, lax about everything. Oh, we'll see this. Oh, we're not in any hurry to do this. Like, you play in New York, like, everybody's in a hurry to do everything, right? So what, when does this team – it just – I guess it all comes back to the same thing again. If it's – if they – where is this offense coming from if they don't make a move? I, I agree. I don't even know where the offense comes, though, if they make a move because I just don't see what's going to be available. I guess that's – I guess I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just don't see – you better get me – 
a 25, 26-year-old stud of a bat if you what move Matos in the guard. What if Jason Kipnis became available this second? Now, he's a guy that could hit leadoff if we wanted, could hit second, could even hit third. He steals bases. I know Sandy despises stolen bases for some reason because he despises all offense, apparently. But let's just say they could get him. They could add Zobris as a bench guy, and they could add Prado with, with only giving up, like, Syndergaard and some other. You know, the, the, the secondary guys you can get for the nieces and G's of the world. Syndergaard, uh, Kipnis is going to take Syndergaard or Matt. So let's say you could add Kipnis, Prado, and Zobrist. You don't think that team could compete with this pitching staff? I mean, Jason Kipnis, I just, I, Kipnis is having a terrific year. There's no denying that. But, you know, he's how old? Jason Kipnis is. I don't know. I'm I would guess he's number around 28 or 30. I thought he was like 31, 32 already. Um, you know, so if, you know, if Jason Kipnis is on the wrong side of 30 and is, you know, if you tell me he's signed, and again, I'd have to look at the contract. If you tell me Jason Kipnis is signed for the next three years, four years, and he's only 30 years old, okay, let's talk. If Jason Kipnis is 32 years old, and I'm, I'm having some problems doing a search for his name right now, but if Jason Kipnis is 32 years old and has a year left on his contract, well, that's a different story. I'm not giving up a, a number one starter potentially for a 31-year-old for one year. Kip, Jason Kipnis, Kipnis, he's, Kipnis he is, is 28. He's 28. He's 28. He's batting 335 with eight stolen bases and five home runs. Yes, he'll slide into the leadoff spot in the lineup. He'll be your second baseman for the next few years. Signed uh, through 2019. Signed through 2019 for less than $9 million a year. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. It does. Right, that, it makes sense. The, those are the kind of moves I'm looking for. Because if you have the one will, mean but, guy... But then, again, will Cleveland do it? Cleveland is in to win this year, too, don't forget. Sure. So, sure. you know, Cleveland's only... Th- See, here's the problem. Here's the problem with the trade deadline now. 90% of the teams are still are in it so much longer now with that second wild card. It becomes harder and harder to pull off a deal. That, that's you know what I'm saying? Like I said, we're going to have to wait till really it, th- those type of players are not going to even begin to seem available until at least July 15th. That that I'd agree on. You know, that's, you know I remember growing up, right, the Mets were able to snag a, a Keith Hernandez or, or, and things like that and even other players and teams – when there was only two teams or three teams making the postseason or one wild card even, teams knew they were done. Now you're three, four games on the 500, but you're only five out of the wild card. Your mindset is I can make a run. I get a piece. I can even make a run here. I think Martin Prado's the perfect fit. That's the guy I want. I'd love to see him get him. Uh, Zach Cozart, I don't know what his knee situation is, but uh, he'd be a fallback I, option as Cozart's well. played well. I'd be completely – Again, he'd be a guy I'd be completely, completely fine with if he was a secondary or tertiary piece, not the main, not the not the head honcho of the trade season. Right, he would walk in. He'd become their starting shortstop, and they would move Flores to second or third. Okay, that's how that's still, how that goes. I would work. I just, I just don't think that seems good enough. Still, I still think the, then you would, you're back to the same argument where uh, all the positions are taken, so now we can't add anyone else. Okay, well, 
Zach Kozar would be a great piece to cut to get, but right now he's not putting them over the top. So you'd still need the, the main move. Right. Ideally, what you need, what you're saying is you need a corner outfielder, and I don't know where they're finding a corner outfielder. Unless the Yasiel Puig thing somehow works out. And if you tell me you could get Yasiel Puig, I'll drive Noah Syndergaard to Los Angeles. I'll pick right, him up I'll at City and I'll guess. drive him to L.A. I'm I'll picking you, you up on the way, too, though. Uh, We're road tripping to L.A., my friend. That's, that sounds good. We'd have a good time, man. We'd get in a little trouble, probably, but we'd have a good time. Anyway, oh, yes, Tim, do yes. you have a few more minutes to spend with us, or uh, are you done for the night? Sure. I'm here. All right, let's talk. Let's get off the Mets a little bit, and let's talk a little fantasy baseball. Um, any what, what? When you look back on, on two months, uh, uh, and we'll keep it general a little bit, when you look back at the first two months, really, two months in a week, whatever it is, uh, any surprises, whether it's fantasy baseball or regular baseball, what has jumped out to you? Any players, any teams, any trends that you've seen that you go, I, I, you know, I write for this, and, and I couldn't have even expected this type of result uh, from this player or this team or anything like that? I think that the Diamondbacks' offense has been – better than most people would have uh, assumed. Obviously, Goldschmidt's all world, but guys like uh, A.J. Pollock and uh, Ender and Ciante, or just guys like that who obviously already inherently playing in Arizona, no one knows, but uh, you know who no one knew anyway before the season started have really contributed for them. I, I mean, they're among the leaders in the major leagues for runs scored. So I mean, it would, it would that would be the first, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, team that that sticks out in my mind. Um, you know, I don't think the Chicago White Sox would be this bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they see. I mean, with Abreu, you would thought, all right, Melky Cabrera is not a a world beater, but he would have been a nice piece. You know, Adam Larouche. Uh, they're still uh, between them and Seattle. They're among the the two lowest scoring AL teams. So I think that's a, a definite surprise in the other way. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I thought the White Sox would be better. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think the whole baseball world is surprised by the Minnesota Twins, uh, guys like that. I think a lot of, a lot of teams expected uh, better from them. But, Tim, I've got a few minutes left, and I want to do a little fantasy baseball drill with you. And uh, like I always end my show with, we always talk – I always talk for uh, two start pitchers next week. So I want to get your take. Everybody always hears my take. I want to get your take on some guys. I'm going to name the guy who for, for next Fantasy Baseball Week has two starts. And we know how two starts works, right? You get two starts out of the guy that are good, you're riding high. If they tank, you're in trouble. It kind of ruins your entire pitching staff. Now, obviously, there's some guys who have been studs, right? Matt Harvey. Dallas Keuchel of Houston, another huge surprise this year. I mean, Keuchel's on his way to the American League Cy Young. Jake Aredia, Trevor Bauer's been terrific. Michael Walker, Carlos Martinez of St. Louis has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, he's looked healthy the last couple of starts. He looks good. Francisco Liriano, Tyson Ross, Garrett Richards. I think those guys are all pretty safe two-star pitchers. So I'm going to start with a few names. I'm going to throw a few names your way, and you tell me, if they were on your yearly league roster, would you play them or would you sit them for this two starts? And my first player here is Jared Weaver. Weaver's got two starts, one at home against Arizona, 
one on the road at Oakland. Over his last three starts, Jared Weaver is 1-1 one one with a 5-3-0 ERA. Jared Weaver, start him for two starts or sit him for two starts? Well, no, I'd, compl- I'd sit him in a, in a second. He's not really striking anyone out this this year, and, and that's something I always look at. Is, is I'm always targeting guys who are striking out a batter per inning, and he, he's well below that. So, And especially facing that Arizona team that we were just talking about, uh, I, it doesn't matter how feeble of an opponent uh, the A's might be in start number two. I'd completely fade Weaver. I agree. Gio Gonzalez, Washington Nationals. He's at Tampa Bay, and he's home versus Pittsburgh. Uh, last 17 and two-thirds innings, he does have 19 strikeouts with a 3.57 ERA. I don't trust Gio Gonzalez. I feel like he could blow up at any moment. Uh, I would, if I had better options, I would utilize it. Your thoughts, Gio Gonzalez, and those two starts? I'd, I'd pitch Gio. Um, Tampa, you go with Gio? Yeah, no. I mean, no one knows who these guys on Tampa Bay are. They're not doing <laughs> all that well compared to the pitching's really keeping them alive. And who'd you say the second matchup? Oh, the Pittsburgh. They've they yeah. come alive at the plate of late, um, and they do have a couple big righty bats in McCutcheon and Marte that you'd have to worry about with Gio being a lefty. But being that he's pitching in the spacious confines of uh, Nationals Park, I'd, I'd pitch Gio. Okay. Julio Tehran, and I actually like his matchups, even though he's been terrible in his last three starts, only seven strikeouts in 17 and two-thirds innings. He's pitched with 7-6-4 ERA over his last three. Well, this week he's on the road. Next week he's on the road at Boston. And then he's home versus the Mets. And for all our banter, I agree. You you have a pitcher going against this Mets offense right now. You've got to pitch him. Um does the Boston matchup scare you, or are you rolling with Tehran even with his struggles? I'd probably pitch Tehran uh, even. Boston actually hasn't really been that impressive at the plate. I mean, Pablo Sandoval has given them next to nothing. Uh, Hanley got off to that hot start and kind of fizzled out. Big Poppy's not really Big Poppy. So, yeah, and then the Mets is just a joke. So, yeah, I would definitely pitch Tehran. Yeah, I agree. Taiwan Walker. Uh, struggled early. A lot of people gave up on him. Well, his last three starts, it's a 2.91 ERA with 18 Ks and 21 and two-thirds. He's got matchups at San Francisco. That's his first one. And his second matchup is at home against Houston. We know what Houston's about. They're either going to strike out or they're going to hit the ball a million miles. San Francisco just seems to win games. Um, would you roll with the streaking Taiwan Walker uh, against the Giants and against the Astros? I'd fade Walker. Uh, Seattle doesn't score enough runs to get him a win, uh, even if he pitches well. Um, as you mentioned, Houston's going to either bludgeon you or, or do absolutely nothing, but chances are there's a good chance they're going to pull off the win in that game. Uh, and the Giants, the Giants have they don't have overly impressive left-handed batters, but as you said, they usually find a way to win. So I'd take I'd take a, a fade on that one. There you go. Aaron Harang of the Phillies, he's been terrible lately, Seven and, uh, 7.13 ERA. He's got two tough matchups on the road at Baltimore and home against St. Louis. I would stay away from Aaron Harang, especially with those matchups. Do you agree? Yeah, he was actually, until I think just yesterday, where he got uh, demolished by his, uh, his former Reds teammates, he was actually pitching mm-hmm. to like an under-3 ERA. But, that you know, he's older, and he was once a really great pitcher that no one really ever – 
got, gave him the, uh, the proper credit, but I don't think he can do it all season. And especially on that team, he's not – the chances of him getting a, a win out of the deal is slim. Yeah, I agree. Um, some other guys with two starts. You have Edison Volquez going against Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, neither of those teams scare me. I'd roll with Edison Volquez. He's got 16 strikeouts in his last 17 innings. Yeah, Volquez has been good. And the Royals, the Royals don't give up. I've seen them in, in many games where, you, you know, maybe 6 nothing in the fifth inning. And they, they, they can score fast and often. So um, they, they never seem to be out of the game, even if he – you know, gives up maybe four over six, strikes out eight. Um, he, you know, they could get him a win and and still provide you pretty adequate stats. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say yay for Volquez. Yeah, I agree. You know, some other guys, Anibal Sanchez has pitched well lately. He's got two starts next week. Scott Casimir has been okay. Took a couple of losses, but he's got two starts. What about the young kid in, in, the, in Chicago in the American League? Carlos Radon of the White Sox. Um, I've been super high on him. I've been singing his praises. His ownership has gone up now. Next week, he's got two starts at Pittsburgh and home against Texas. In his last three starts, he's got 18 in the third innings and 19 strikeouts, an ERA under one. Um, are you all in on a kid like Rodon? First-round pick last year. The White Sox have eased him into the rotation. So, starting to click. Uh, I'm excited. I'm running him out there for two next week, even though the matchups aren't great. Your thoughts? Yeah, I actually used him yesterday on FanDuel, and he, he actually he came through uh, big time, actually, against the uh, Astros, which, you know, obviously they had their super right-hand dominant, and, uh, he, you know, he put guys like Springer and, and Gattis, uh, you know, he handled them pretty well. So you're kind of in a similar situation where he's going up against the Pirates, who have a couple big right-handed bats. Um, but then he also sees the Texas Rangers, who – Chew and Fielder really can't hit lefties. So, I mean, I think that uh, levels it out. He's striking out one per inning, sometimes more. So, yeah, I'd definitely take – obviously his offense won't give him a ton of run support, but if he can keep uh, the uh, opponent to one one or two runs, he should be able to get a win on top of it. So i definitely start him up. Yeah, and I think he's a nice stream in, in a daily game as well. He's going to give you with those strikeouts a chance to win as well. Nice stream in the daily. Do you trust any of the following guys? Giovanni Gallardo, Tanner Rourke, Rick Porcello, Chi-Chi Gonzalez of Texas, who's 2-0 and with an zero ERA in his last 14 innings, even though he's only got four strikeouts on that time. Do you trust any guys like that, or, or are these lower fantasy options are you shying away from? Rourke looked good in his last start, and Chi-Chi Rodriguez has been pretty good. Porcello, I just think, is always a guy whose ERA is right around five. And that's that's not that's not what I'm looking for. Um, so I'd say definitely Chichi Rodriguez. Uh, Chichi's been been pretty good so far. Um, so yeah, I'd take those two guys. Yeah, Chichi's been interesting. Houston's brought up a prospect, Vincent Velasquez. He's going to get two starts next week. I can't trust uh, a rookie in a two-star week, of, especially against Cup. Speak, sorry, go ahead. Speaking of speaking of Houston, anybody who hasn't picked up Lance McCullers yet should do so as soon as possible. I mean, obviously, Houston, no one really knows what's ever going on with them because no one gets to see him a, a ton nationally, but he's been a, he's been stellar for them, probably better than they had hoped for, and he's going to stick in their rotation, so he's definitely got to look for. Yeah, and what's shocking about McCullers is he was, when, when he came up, he was their 10th rated prospect. 
not that that's anything to laugh at, but we're not talking about Carlos Correa, the number one or the number two. We're talking about 10th-rated prospect. He's come up. He's been terrific. Um, are you buying the hype on the Correa kid that Houston brought up now that you mentioned Houston? With any of these young guys, you're going to have to see how he's just the major league pitching and does he have the power to – you know, people think he can hit like 15 home runs in the in the major leagues eventually. So, you, you, but that just see, I mean, he's young. I don't know if he's got that. Yeah, I don't know if he's capable of the of contact and power like that yet. But um, yeah, I mean, if he blossoms into the play, I mean, I think he's the second overall prospect in all of the majors. I mean, you know, he they 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 like him a lot. So, I mean, it's in, it's a weird year for them. Because you you would think that it would have been better for him to come up with when they stunk, which would have been last year, right? Now there's right. pressure on them to succeed. Now they still have Jed Lowry behind them, but he's on and off the disabled list, so so I think he might even be on it right now. So, but yeah. I mean, if they had to send him back down, then they could. But you don't want once you bring a guy like that up, you don't want to send him back down. So you got to hope. At the same time, on the other side of the card, being that other guys are doing the majority of the hitting, maybe he doesn't feel a lot of pressure. He can kind of just blend in. So I guess that could go either way. Overall, yeah, I think he's going to be one of the best shortstop in the game. Yeah, he homered, uh, I believe it was yesterday, he hit his first home run. Lowry going to be interesting. He's coming back after the All-Star break. Interesting to see how they use him. Just I'll run through, you know, guys, some real lower-level guys, Jonathan Neese, Matt Garza, David Phelps, Jeremy Hellickson, Alex Colomb of Tampa. You know, these are not anybody. Erasmio Ramirez, uh, Eddie Butler, Sean Markham scheduled for two starts, Kyle Lowe, Tim Hudson, Wayne Miley, Charlie Morton, Shane Green, who everybody loved in April. Uh, he's pitching to almost a 12 ERA in his last three. Walk away from that. Run away from that, I should say. Chris Tillman of Baltimore, who hasn't been great. Trevor May of Minnesota has two starts. He's pitched well of late. Brett Anderson of the Dodgers. If he's healthy, he's always been effective. He's pitched well. He has two starts. Ivaldi of the Yankees has two starts. He's pitched okay. Not striking out as many batters as you thought, but uh, but he's pitched pretty well as well. Tim, talk to me. What do you got going on at Rand Sports? I know the Met article that prompted this whole conversation. What else do you got going on at Rand Sports? Any other articles you want us to check out? Well, obviously, uh, our audience here it would be best served by checking out the daily stuff. If you know We've got, if it's not me, it's it's my colleagues that do the 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 lineup stuff every day. It's you know we try and get it out you know with enough time for everyone to see it. Obviously, sometimes uh, they get held up by the teams just not releasing their lineups, and obviously we can't put in guys into our lineup that aren't going to be playing. So sometimes we don't get to get the lineups out until about six thirty, which makes it hard. But if you're playing Fanduel and you feel like you need uh, you need to another point of view. Feel free to always hit up Rant Sports by 6:30 every day before lineup clock, and you can either take our whole lineup or take bits and pieces. But we've done a, as I mentioned in the opening, I feel like we're we've, we're among the best team in in the industry at this because just because there's a good chance that if you put our lineups into a 50-50, that you're doubling your money. So we're going to keep at it. Um, obviously, coming up. To the football season, there's going to be plenty of fantasy football, FanDuel, Redraft, all of it at Rand Sports. Um, the fantasy section's really come a long way, and I think that uh, the majority of people 
who checked it out would would get a lot of good advice, but and would be uh, well served doing so. Fair enough. And Tim, uh, if any of my listeners want to jump on board and follow you on Twitter, how can they do that, or where else could they follow you? Yeah, it's uh, Tidow one two one two. So T I D O W one two one two. Um, you could also look me up on Facebook. I have uh, you could like me on Facebook or or Google Plus. Just search the name and, and you can find my stuff. It's it's out there. Awesome, Tim. Listen, man, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, you know, for all our banter back and forth, uh, I want to do it again soon. So if that sounds good for you, maybe we get together again in the next month or two and talk some baseball, and then even start talking some football as well, if that works for you, my friend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to definitely doing some football with you so we can have a, a little, not as much at stake in our hearts with this, because we're always <laughs> arguing passionately, and we don't get to have a lot of fun uh, with it also. So, yeah, football sounds great. Now, will you be writing fantasy football as well for Ant? Yeah, we'll be doing everything. I'll be doing fan duel. I mean, I've already done some some football this year, you can find them. I mean, we did a – oh, God, we've done so many. We've done a good amount of slideshows already. You just have to go look them up. On, but, you know, obviously right now it's too early to kind of take a look at the value plays for FanDuel this year. So my mm-hmm. – what I feel like I'm best served at with the football is finding value. So I'll be putting out a lot of, uh, you know, sleeper articles. I'll be putting out a sleeper article on Austin Safari and Jenkins within the next day or so. So I mean, uh, you know, it's been a it's you know still early June, so we're not flooded with uh, football stuff, but it, it'll be there soon enough. All right, awesome man. Listen, Tim, again, I appreciate your time. Follow him on Twitter at t i d o w one two one two. Tim, thanks for your time, buddy, and I'll talk to you real soon. Anthony, so much, and uh, thanks so much, and I look uh, forward to it. All right, pal, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. All right, that's uh, that's Timothy Downs, Rand Sports. And a friend. And uh, we've done a lot of work together, and I was glad uh, I was able to get him on and, and thank him for spending just about an hour with me tonight. I do appreciate it. Stayed on basically the whole the whole show, which I appreciate. Good stuff. Uh, a lot of fun today, talking a lot of Mets, talking some two-star pitchers as well, and uh, looking forward to talking to Tim again about some football in the, in the coming weeks and months. Always a good time. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight, whether you listened on demand on Blog Talk Radio, live on Blog Talk Radio, or on iTunes. As you know, the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show is always brought to you by the DynastySportsEmpire.com, as well as a proud member of the Fantasy Sports Podcast Association. You can follow myself and the show on Twitter at Fantasy. That's A-A-N-I-A-N-O Fantasy. And follow the show on Facebook at the Anthony Aniano Fantasy Sports Show. We're with you every Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern Time. If you want to listen live and give us a call, feel free to do that any week of the show. Post any questions or comments to me, any fantasy questions or advice, either on the Facebook page or on the Twitter page as well. Uh, Post them right there. I'll happily get back to you. Uh, Any baseball or football questions, get right back to you and help you out with whatever you may need. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next Wednesday night. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this, You'll enjoy the next one probably even more as our Roto Ball of Fantasy Sports Radio airs on Blog Talk Radio, 9.30 Eastern Time in just one hour. Myself again with good friend Real Talk Raph will be handling all the questions from the rotoballer.com chat room. So make sure you jump on that and get involved as well. So enjoy your week, everybody. This is Anthony Aniano saying good night and have a great week, everybody.